This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. For years, we've been telling you about Zoomers increasingly working past the traditional retirement age of 65. But now we're wondering if that trend is reversing as the so-called Great Resignation hits Canada. The latest numbers show 300,000 retired in the last 12 months, a 30% increase from the previous year. Is this a pandemic-induced blip or a new reality? And here's the question some financial experts are asking. Are we retiring our way into a recession? On Monday, the Zoomer Squad weighed in on this question. Bill Van Gorder is Chief Operating and Chief Policy Officer at CARP. John Wright is Executive Vice President at Maru Public Opinion. And David Kravitz is Chief Membership Officer at CARP, Vice President here at Zoomer Media. I don't understand how we can retire our way into a recession. Uh, The headline is alarmist, but I don't understand that. But I think it's something that's here to stay, but I don't know why it's a surge or a blip. It's a steady 25,000 per month. People are getting older. The population in that age group is increasing. And as much as it's true that people are working past the age of retirement, the size of the cohort at something around 7 million of retirement and post-retirement is just so large that in spite of the trend to many of them working past retirement, the number that don't work past retirement can't help but be a large number. And we are going to see this uh, going forward, but I think it's more a function of the size of the total population in that age group. It it seems to be more of a factor, not so much in 65 plus, but people 55 to 65. It's kind of a an early retirement thing. John, what do you make of that? Well, two things. Um, and I have to take, even look at my own family. My two younger brothers and their wives have just retired. and they're, So I just turned 65, and they're younger than I am. And I think, you know, if you look at their example, during the pandemic, they had a chance to look at their own finances. I mean, there are many people who have not sat down with a financial planner by that stage of their life. And so it's a good thing to do so. But they had, they were able to identify what their needs and their costs were going to be. Plus, they were living house rich um, because they've got a lot tied up in it and they've got investments. So they made the decision that they could do this. One of them living on about 60,000 bucks a year in terms of expenses. So I, I think they decided to do it because they wanted time to live. I mean, my brother once said to me, you don't work 45 years in order to live for 15. They want to make uh, an opportunity to enjoy their grandchildren that they now have to travel a bit, but just to get out of the rat race. I think that if COVID hadn't happened, I, I don't think that they'd be where they are today, but I think it gave them a real pause and a chance to look at all of the expenses that they have and all of the things in front of them with the help of a financial planner and say, you know what, we can do this. So I think a lot of people who would normally be doing it three or four years from now are taking the options to do it now if they can. Bill, I mean, a lot of Zoomers that we know are working because they like working. 
That's true. They they do. And I think that is the old, you know, without being careful not to generalize, but that tends to be the older part of the demographic who have that work ethic, where the younger part of that uh, work, I'm thinking my own, my own daughter uh, has now retired. And, How old uh, is she? And uh, she's uh, not quite 55. Uh, and she's now uh, retired, government uh, work all her life, looked at what the finances were and wanted to get involved in things she'd never been able to do. She's also an actor and, and uh, going, going back to that uh, part time. Her friends are the, are the same. They're less looking at uh, continuing what they've always done as some of us who are older do and looking at things that uh, they want to do now. And they're maybe not as patient as uh, we are or we were. David, is this a phenomenon uh, that is specific to certain professions? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think it goes back to what does retirement even mean? Because certainly you can leave a profession. Uh, and does that mean I'm never going to go back to earning money from employment? Or does it mean... I have a second career, I have a side hustle, I'm retired, but kind of not retired, I'm re-entering the workforce, I've tried it for a couple of years, I'm bored out of my mind, I want something new. The pressure, the downward pressure on the supply of full-time uh, workers uh, is can't be denied, but I do think that a lot of people that claim they're retiring go back later on and unretire. So you got all of these things happening. It's quite uh, varied all at the same time, and that's what makes it difficult to analyze. David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media, Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating and Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and John Wright, Executive Vice President at Maru Public Opinion. This is Zoomer Radio's Best to Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. As if it's not bad enough that Canadians pay some of the highest cell phone and internet fees in the world, at least the highest among wealthy countries, now one of the telecom giants wants to stick us with another charge. TELUS is asking the CRTC for permission to add a 1.5% surcharge for those who pay their bills with a credit card and wants to begin implementing this charge by October 17th. And if TELUS gets permission, you can be sure the others will follow suit. A lot of customers are fed up with tens of thousands signing a change.org petition. Ellen Roseman is a consumer advocate and journalist. She joined Libby on Monday to discuss this proposed new fee. When you pay a bill with a debit card, uh, the processing fees are something like 10 cents to 40 cents for the companies that accept it with Interact. Uh, that's very cheap because Interact is a nonprofit company that was set up by all the big banks. So it's not out there to gouge you on the fees or to gouge the merchants on the fees. But with credit cards, depending on the kind of credit card you have, the merchant will pay, you know, 1%, 2%, up to 3%. And the merchant has no choice as to which credit card, you know, they're going to accept. So you might have one of those uh, American Express or those very... A lot of them don't take American Express because that's really expensive, but a lot of the Visa cards and MasterCards have elaborate prizes, so they cost a lot of money. And the uh, small businesses in Canada did a class action suit against the banks, saying that the banks should pay back all these credit card processing fees to the merchants. That was in 2018, and it finally got settled recently. And so the banks will be refunding the merchants for a lot of these excessive processing fees, but at the same time, 
the class action fees now, uh, uh, class action now means that the banks can go direct, uh, the banks uh, that supply the merchants, the merchants can go directly to the customer to ask them to pay for the fees. So it looks like TELUS is the first big major company that we've heard of at any rate to decide this is going to happen. Well, and they've gone to the CRTC and they're saying, well, we're going to do it as of this date. I think it's uh, October uh, 17th. Yes. And so they're acting like it's, uh, uh, you know, it's already uh, uh, de facto. And at the same time, they're asking the public to uh, put in comments, but they only have until September 7th. So that's not very long. And one thing that uh, I used to get complaints about is if you do put a comment on the CRTC website, they need to have your name and address and phone number and email number, and they make that public. I guess they're doing that to make sure that you're a real person, but a lot of people feel somewhat, uh, you know, that that's an invasion of privacy to do that. So um, TELUS is profitable. Bell and Rogers are certainly profitable. And I was looking at TELUS's website, and they were talking about this late processing fee, and they said how to avoid it, you know, and they gave a variety of things like uh, uh, a Visa prepaid card, which, of course, has fees of its own. Um, and then they listed all the other kinds of fees that they have. And I counted up to 12 different kinds of fees on wireless, because TELUS only offers wireless in Ontario. And that's a heck of a lot of fees that we have to worry about, and as you said, our our fees are very high. Also, that the GST is an issue, too. They give an example in their home province of Alberta. They say, if the bill's priced at $100, first they add the 5% GST, so you're at 105 and then this 1.5% processing fee would be on top of the 100 plus the $5 GST. Tax on tax. And then oh. you'd have another tax on the surcharge. We know that there's only three big competitors right now, TELUS, Bell, and Rogers. For many of us, we don't easily move between one telecom supplier and another, and it's not as easy as just saying, okay, this grocery store charges this. I'll go to the one block away where I can get away with a a lower fee. We're subjected to this, and uh, so the CRTC might be a little sensitized by hearing that revolt from the customers, especially when there are so many add-on fees. I remember a few years ago, they decided not to send paper bills, and then they wanted us to pay for the paper bills, and that was a big uproar. So their their mentality is always like, whatever the business costs, we'll ask the customer to pay for just it, bleed and we'll the just customer. improve our profits. Ellen, where are we at with this? What do you think will happen? I think that there is a good chance if, if that petition gets out there and people start talking to their MPs, their federal MPs, about lack of competition there might be a move by the CRTC to delay the fee and look at it more because TELUS hasn't given them much notice about it. And I'm concerned that if TELUS does it, it will only be a matter of time before the other two competitors do it as well. Consumer advocate and journalist Ellen Roseman. You're listening to The Best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Komsik. Coming up after the break, are you confident inflation has peaked? You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. On Tuesday, the Recovering Politicians panel weighed in on a timely topic. This time, it was the firing of veteran CTV News chief anchor Lisa Laflamme, who says she was blindsided by the move. 
It received a lot of negative reaction with an undercurrent of bias against women. Lloyd Robertson and Peter Mansbridge had the opportunity to say goodbye on air and leave gracefully. So is that the story? Or is it cost-cutting? Or the quest for a younger, more diverse audience? Or maybe she had run-ins with management, also generally more problematic for women. Joining Libby to discuss, the members of the Recovering Politicians panel. Former Ontario Liberal Finance Minister Charles Souza, former NDP MPP Sherry DeNovo, and former Federal Deputy Conservative Leader Lisa Raitt. Being a woman in my 50s, it does run through my mind of, is am I going to face a bias at some point in time because of my age? And I do think about that. So I think for folks to jump to that conclusion that that's part of it, the, the reasoning here, or that at least is the appearance of it, I think that's that's a, that's okay. You can draw that conclusion from it. Um, but I would say this is that the, my big takeaway, quite frankly, is the fact that no job is safe and you can be fired at any time, provided you're given the appropriate amount of compensation. And, you know, when you get to the top, um, there's nowhere else to go. And you just wait for the time when, when you are going to be leading either under your own steam or someone else makes the decision for you. And it's, uh, I'm glad that she's getting out there and talking about it. I think it's interesting for folks. But um, this is the way business is. Sherry, uh, what do you make of it? Do you see this in terms of uh, a, a negative bias against women? Or, you know, there are people who are saying, well, they're looking for a more diverse, a younger audience. Uh, well, first of all, Libby, your point about Bell Media is really well taken. I think that's... Uh, that is very questionable. Um, uh, in terms of Lisa Laflamme, first of all, let me say that her her video, I watched it, of course, like so many, and I thought it was very elegant and classy. I mean, she wasn't, you know, you know, hurling vindictive uh, comments about her former employees. She was, uh, but she was simply stating um, her situation and the fact that she was blindsided and that she was shocked. Um, I think it is about women. I think it is, um, uh, shall I use the M word, misogynist? I think it is. I mean, you have how many women can make it to 77, like, you know, Lloyd Robertson did, um, and be an anchor on television. I mean, I, I'd love to name one. Um, so there's that. And if it's about diversity and youth, um, fair enough. Um, we should all be looking at diversity issues, whatever industry or, or occupation we're in. Um, but, you know, it seems to me that the same Bell Medias hired young white men um, pretty recently. So, so, I mean, I don't think that's a good reason. I don't think that's the reason here. Um, it probably comes down to some focus group. It probably comes down to something else. Um, but, but the optics, let's face it, the optics are terrible. And, um, and good on her for speaking out as, as, as well as she did. And, um, I, you know, I hope she lands on her, her feet somewhere. But I, and I also hope that this is a, a kind of wake up call for, for media generally, um, as to how they, they deal with their staff period and certainly their aging female staff. Charles, uh, wh- what do you think? I mean, Lisa makes a very good point. Uh, Any know, of us can be fired any time. Yeah, Lisa and Sherry make great points. I, I, I was, I, I, I appreciated her video. I, I thought it was very pointed, mind you. It was very powerful. But the optics on CTV and Bell Media are so bad. The fact that they're not allowing her to provide for a real send off and to to uh, go before 
the audience like the others have had in the past doesn't bode well for them. I know Omar Scandini has been criticized for some of his tweets because he immediately went on and thanked her and, hey, I think I'm glad to be part of the job now. So he's getting a bit of pushback for acting too quickly and not allowing her to have the limelight of the day. And But i got to say, it's, I, 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 for one, I mean, I was part of the women on boards issues. I've, really, I've been a big champion for diversity in boards and in business. We operate much better when we have... Uh, different points of view. But it annoys me when I hear all the middle-aged white guys complaining that they, too, are being pushed out of the system. So it seems everyone's <laughs> upset. When, when, we're getting, when we're getting older, we're still productive. We don't necessarily want to leave. And, and she certainly doesn't. And she deserves better. Former Ontario Liberal Finance Minister Charles Souza, former NDP MPP Sherry DeNovo, and former Federal Deputy Tory Leader Lisa Raitt. Late in the week, incidentally, the parent company of CTV News said that its dismissal of Lisa Laflamme may have left viewers with the wrong impression that her 35-year career was not valued. Bell Media now saying it regrets the way it handled her departure and will launch an internal workplace review. This is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. So, are we winning the battle against inflation? It slowed down to 7.6% in July after hitting 8.1% the month before. It's the first decline in the Consumer Price Index since June of 2020. The drop was driven by decline in gas prices. But the cost of food just keeps going up. Prices rose at the fastest pace since August 1981, up almost 10% on a year-over-year basis compared with 9.4% the previous month. Libby asked Moshe Lander, senior lecturer of economics at Concordia University in Montreal, if we're on the right path. This is good news. I, I think that uh, hopefully it's a sign that we've passed the high inflation number and things are going to slowly uh, ease their way back down to 2% in the next 12 to 18 months. To 2%? That's a pretty big drop. Yeah, so uh, let's not say that it's going to happen overnight, right? It's 12 to 18 months. So, you know, if you imagine that the number went from 8.1 to 7.5, if you extrapolate that out, you're still talking about a very long time, right, before it's going to come down to 2%. But 2% is the Bank of Canada's mandate. That's what they're supposed to keep it at. Uh, And they do have a lot of interest rate increased power if they need it to to make that happen. So uh, we will see it. Just got to give it time. Well. This happened because of a drop in gas prices. Very welcome. But the other things in this index went up, and and mostly I'm looking at food. You don't have a choice about buying food. And uh, those prices are galloping, and they're galloping now in the summer when presumably we we don't have to truck in as much stuff as we usually do. You're right. Uh, food did jump substantially. Rent is another one that's rising pretty quickly, too. Uh, but, you know, food uh, prices take also some time, right? So um, even if you're buying local, it takes some time for, say, the easing of gas prices to show up in transportation costs of getting that food onto the, the local market shelf. So, um, you know, the, the same way that we would have been talking a couple of months ago, about the way that gas prices are rising out of control and that they had doubled within 12 months. The fact is, at some point, it does turn the corner. And when it turns that corner, uh, things can moderate uh, relatively smoothly and easily back down to the way they used to be. It, we're, we're not going to avoid 
the occasional blips here and there along the way. But, um, you know, I, I am optimistic that this might be the, the peak end for, for the food prices too. Next month, we might be talking about how they only increased 9% year over year. <laughs> Uh, do you think that the Bank of Canada sort of nipped this in the bud? Did they move quickly enough or did they fail to see this coming? Um, I'll say that they didn't move quickly enough, but they did see some of this coming. Um, the Bank of Canada had a really difficult uh, decision to make. If they moved to increase interest rates uh, maybe a year ago, the economy wasn't ready for it. And so I guess the, the bad analogy that I could give you is, you know, when you bring a, a sick patient uh, into the emergency room, you don't necessarily do uh, what is long-term best for them. You do what is short-term best for them. You try and stabilize them, get them through the night, make sure they're going to live. Then you start making sure that they're doing the long-term best strategies. Same sort of thing with the economy. When it starts to flatline uh, at the worst of the, the waves of COVID that we saw over the last couple of years, Bank of Canada didn't really have a lot of time or uh, interest, no pun intended, in asking the difficult questions. It was just do what you need to to make sure the economy doesn't die. And now what they're doing is taking corrective action. Uh, the problem is that along the way, they let inflation slip a little bit uh, too far, too fast. Uh, and now they're having to make up for it. Do you have any kind of prediction on where we will see those average wage wage hikes going? I think that wage hikes probably have a little bit further to go in terms of increasing because, like you said, there are contracts that come due usually, you know, once every year, once every couple of years, and we haven't seen inflation increase for the last 12 months. So, uh, you know, there, there's a, still a good portion of the Canadian workforce that has yet to get in their uh, wage demand requests. But I think that a lot of that's going to work its way out of the economy in the next six months, especially if those higher interest rates, when they start to bite, slow down the economy and workers realize you can ask for more money, but you could also be jeopardizing your job if there's a slowdown coming. Moshe Lander, Senior Lecturer of Economics at Concordia University in Montreal. I'm Bob Komsik, and this is Zuma Radio's Best to Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zuma Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics, and we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Vera in Woodbridge phoned about the charge TELUS wants to add for paying bills by credit card. Enough is enough. This, this is getting to be too much now. And there are some places that do not take uh, debit cards. You're right. I have a choice to deal with them or not to deal with them. But I always carry a little bit of cash, so I use my cash with them, you know. But why aren't you paying your bills online? I, for years, I refused to because I didn't know how to. But I called the back of the card. They went through with me every step of the way. And I pay everything online now. Alice in North York called during the same segment. I went to Rogers. They were had a booth in the mall, and I went in to pay my Rogers bill by cash. And the gentleman at the counter said to me, no, we do not take cash. So what is this new thing now you have to pay? You can pay by cash. But he wouldn't accept it. I had to give him my Visa card to pay the, the Rogers bill. 
and I had the cash in my hand. Sita and Mississauga talked about an experience at the supermarket. We were in the grocery store, and a father was shopping with his two daughters, and the children want a candy, and the father said, no, I can't afford that. So by the time he cashed out, without the candy, he was short seven cents. And he said to the cashier, well, the cashier wouldn't give him the grocery. So he said he will go to the vehicle and look for change. And I said to my husband, you know what? We will pay the seven cents, and we will get the girls some candy. And I said to the kids, when your father said no, it's no. Because it's embarrassing, and it's hard to go shopping, and you, you can't buy what you, what you want or need, what you need. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week is Ron in Guelph, who called about the retirement surge in Canada. I'm sure you've been in the grocery store, Tim Hortons, whatever, fast food restaurant. Everybody, Home Depot, whatever, everybody is short-staffed, right? Yep. And I, I, I kept asking a couple of my friends of mine who are running companies. And I said, so where did everybody go? He says, Ron, he says, if somebody was over 60, 65, when the pandemic started, they say, that's enough. I don't need it. So a lot of the seniors are just retired and they, um, they're, they've decided, you know what? We're not coming back. And now, um, there's a shortage. Um, uh, young people don't want to work at those kind of jobs. And as I said, there, this is why I believe anyway that, um, why they're so, sh- so short staffed in all these places because a lot of the seniors that were working in these um, other places, grocery stores and whatnot, have, uh, have not come back to their jobs. That does it for today's Best to Fight Back here on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us between noon and one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca, follow us on Twitter at Fight Back Libby, and call our Fight Back voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Bob Comsick. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.